Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we cover the third week of Summer Showdown Qualifiers, the new PTR patch, and a big issue in the gaming community. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to week 21 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you're doing well, at least in Southern California. It's nice and breezy and sunny and dry and not super oppressively warm. How are things on your end, Kevin, up in the Bay Area? It's pretty It's pretty good up here for the most part. There's not a lot going on. Um, I just finished, you know, the Valorant tournament uh, on Sunday. So finally catching a breather, being able to watch some Overwatch League matches and, uh, you know, see the difference of uh, how these two esports scenes are going to be playing out. So what are your biggest comparisons and takeaways from the way that an Overwatch tournament runs and the way a Valorant tournament runs. And like, if you prefer one, what what do you prefer? Okay. So I honestly, I prefer the style that uh, Valorant has right now. Essentially every single one of them is like a attack defense situation, which makes it a lot easier to follow the storyline. Um, but at the same time, like having the different game modes for Overwatch is what makes it unique and what makes it fun. So, um, I do like that as like a breath of fresh air, kind of. I would say the biggest thing is just like pacing. Once again, when it comes to Overwatch, like everything's happening all the time um, and you have to call everything that you see uh, or prioritize what to call. Um, Valorant is pretty straightforward. It's like, oh yeah, somebody somebody shot that person. Somebody sees this person. They're going to die. Okay, now this person, X, Y, and Z. Um, It's just pretty easy to, to call those. So what do you enjoy about casting um, Valorant in that, that simplicity in attack and defense? And how does it, for you, compare to the way that you approach the variety of an Overwatch tournament? So because Valorant is so new and there's only, I believe, 10 characters in the game, um, it's a lot easier to keep track of like what everybody has and when they use it. Because it's not, like in Overwatch, everything's on a cooldown, right? Like everything has like a window that it could be used and then it's used and then you just wait X amount of time and you could use it again, right? Um, In Valorant, you have to pay like your, what is it? Your in-game economy in order to get abilities. So certain characters will only have X amount of abilities used uh, in a game. And depending on how and if they use them uh, determines how or if they win the match so or win that round um so it does get very specific in that fact but the thing is like overwatch you have to have people like your commenters have to be rap gods they have to call everything like the moment that it happens and that's what everybody like looks forward to is like the ridiculous like plays and being able to pick out everything in valorant there's like yeah, there's some exciting moments where like everybody's in the same spot, everybody's shooting all at the same time. Um, but it's very tactical. It's like one person turns a corner, gets peaked, the other person trades them out. This they they go, they peak, somebody trades them out. They're gonna put out an ultimate, everybody runs away, 
or they have to contest the point x y and z it's just a lot of it's pretty straightforward versus overwatch like anything can happen at any moment and one ability can can change the way how the game sits explain the rap gods thing because when you say rap gods i think of eminem yes and uh that's literally what the term comes from um when uh, when you go we call it like I call it rap god mode, but a lot of people would just be like, wow, that's just really good casting. Um, it's when there's so much stuff happening on screen that the person who's the commentator is able to pick out specifically like what to call out in that moment. Um, but it's also like if you hear really good, like either Overwatch commentators, like Dota 2 commentators, like any commentator in general who's able to just read and say everything that's happening on screen in like a matter of seconds. Um, you can underlay that rap God beat by Eminem and it just sounds like they're, they're rattling a rap. It is <laughs> insane. Um, but honestly, it's like, it's a really impressive skill. That, like I definitely want to keep improving on, um, but it's also like, it's really entertaining. Like if you could hear somebody call everything out in a play in real time, it is, it's a skill for sure. Imagine like the casters just putting together a mixtape of them rapping, but like Overwatch theme, not not like actually like casting, but just Overwatch theme raps from the casting desks. Yeah, I I, I would I would love to see that. Just like a full on uh, yeah, put out a mixtape. Couldn't in collaboration with Lucio. Yeah, you know, have Lucio give you the beats. Um, I wouldn't mind. This is like a personal thing that I've seen, at least in like some communities where they do like the uh, the ciphers where they pick like a theme and then everybody goes and has their own theme in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was one where it was uh, like I'm on the side. Actually, I'm studying like how rap works and like flows and rhythms and stuff like that, um, which is for like a fun side product that I'm working on. But um, one of them one of the ciphers that I was looking at was all about anime, right? And so the whole, there was a hook that was anime inspired. So like the chorus is something that like everybody talks about, like generally broad anime stuff. And then each verse, somebody took like a perspective of an anime character. So there was one about like, you know, uh, Jotaro from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Somebody took Naruto, somebody took, uh, you know, every, every other like shonen protagonist and they all put them together. Um, and it, it was a pretty solid one. I've seen one on Pokemon where everybody just picks a generation instead. Um, but yeah, it would be really cool if like, you know, you just see a rap cipher, but everybody picks. Like, it depends on how many people are in it, right? Um, if there's only three, you know, you one healer, one tank, one support. Or, I mean, one one support, one tank, one DPS. Like, just give them that breakdown. You could give them, like, you know everybody has to rap from a perspective of a character. Um, it's just like a lot to think about, but if it works out, you know, uh, give them 16 each and then just see how it works. When you're doing things at that speed, how do you know what to prioritize, especially in overwatch, which you said is like a very, it's a lot faster of a game than, um, Valorant. So, like when things can literally change in a second where someone can pull a hero play that no one saw coming, how are you able to transition from what you were saying and immediately perceive that that's the thing that's important and then start talking about it? Um, I, I mentioned this like um, 
I have this whole like old PowerPoint that I used to do. It's got a ton of anime shit in it, but uh, it was all about like how to pick apart a team fight in the actual like moment of it. Um, the best way to do it is to look at initiation or things that the first thing that you focus on is initiation. So any form of crowd control um, disables or stuns. So in Overwatch, that's easily like um, Graviton Surge, uh, Earth Shatter, EMP, um, like things that disable or stun the entire team. Um, if those abilities land, they're huge, right? Um, two is any follow-up damage. So any form of high damage or life-saving abilities that like countered what the initial initiation was. And then anything else after that, it really depends on what's going on. So the best way for me to like describe it is you want to tell the narrative that's happening at that moment. So for example, like the best thing that we've probably seen a lot of, um, you want to pick apart the whole uh, fuel uh, versus the Defiant game <laughs> where, where they were like, oh yeah, we're coming in with Nanoblade. Good luck, right? Uh, <laughs> there was... You, you called the nanoblade, you call the initial nanoblade. If there was an answer or response to it, which would have been like grav transcendence, um, you know, immortality field, earth shatter, all that, you answer with that call. So it's like, I don't know how to do it in real time. Oh, well, I'll try to, I'll try to play something out in my head. Okay, so we're here on Eichenwald. You know, point two, they're trying to approach the last point here. You see them going up on top of the tower and here we go. Dash straight up. There goes the Nanoblade right on top. So going straight into the back line. But the Earth Shatter are going to be able to get on top of him. So, like, you're essentially building the story of, like, he had a plan. Now it's stopped. But then, like, it could be countered by, like, a, like an EMP. The EMP flies out first or something like that. And it's, it's fun to know how teams want to play out a fight. And then you see if the other team can answer or stop it. That's literally the one, the whole narrative. Gotcha. Okay. Like when you did that, I literally like, okay, I can literally see this happening in my head. Yeah. It's also important to know what the meta is at the time, because like it depends, depends on the team and the way how they play the meta determines like, you know, what you want to call first, like back in the day with like grab dragon, right? You would mm -hmm. wait for, you would wait for the graviton surge to come out first, right? So the second that you see the grab fly, you're like graviton surge first, and then you just hear the dragons coming in the background. You hear, you hear the Hanzo winding up. The real question at that point is, where's their Zen? Is there Zenyatta there? Does he have that? Is the beat drop going to be available? Uh, is there an Ana that's going to counter said, said Zenyatta? Like, uh, is there going to be an Earth Shatter to counter the grab dragon so they can't really, like, finish up on it? Like, just a whole bunch of real questions. Um, that come into that one moment. Gotcha. Okay. So shall we get into the good, good news of the week? Or not yeah. necessarily good, good, but there wasn't a lot to actually talk about this week. We had to kind of dig for stuff. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with, uh, I guess, this new uh, patch that came in. So I think this patch came in today. So I guess with this patch, they finally added open queue as part of roll queue in competitive play um sr they made a change to that where the highest you can start a season with after completing your placements is 3900 so i'm gonna have to climb from there i've actually never gone that high in my sr so that's just like way over my head 
And now, so there were a lot of hero changes. The most notable, I think, being that um, there's been a huge change to Brig where her armor packs don't grant additional armor. They're just kind of healing now. So that's that's a huge change, especially with how um, that can really make your tanks pretty much invincible, can really buff how a tracer will play um, in your backline. In addition to like with how hard she's to hit, she's now so much sturdier. So that's gone. Um, some other hero updates are Ash's dynamite has been reduced from 10 seconds to 12 seconds on cooldown. Um, Diva's fusion cannons, her movement penalty for the fusion cannons is reduced from 50 to 40%. Her defense matrix is reduced from 1.5 to 1 second. And her micro-missile activation is down from 0.5 to 0.25 seconds. And the reason why developers wanted to do this was to make her feel more fluid and more responsive. Junkrat's concussion mine trigger delay is from reduced from 0.156 to 0.1 seconds. That's super specific. Um, <laughs> the rip tire time to con take control of Junkrat after it's been detonated is down from point from 1.5 to 0 0.9 seconds. Um, just trying to make Junkrat a little bit more, um, I guess, survivable, give him a little bit more life to him. And then again, for Brigitte, her repair pack no longer grants additional armor. Her barrier shield health is increased from 200 to 250. The regeneration rate for her shield is decreased from 100 to 85. It, yeah, and the cooldown from when it's destroyed is increased from 3 to 5 seconds. Um, they felt that the additional health and shield, um, armor from the repair pack was a little too strong. And then now uh, her barrier is a little bit stronger, but it's going to cost a lot more if you let it explode. Um, there are also some bug fixes. A fun one that I saw is Roadhog had apparently he had an ability or apparently Roadhog had a bug that let you hook Baptiste's immortality field, which I think that should actually be a, th a cool counter for it. Like if Roadhog could like hook constructs in the world to so like if you didn't like where the opposing Torbjorn put the turret, you could hook it and move it into a place where it's not really... Um, viable or like that immortality field if you have a, a well-timed roadhog hook you could completely negate that and move the immortality field somewhere else i feel like that would be interesting to see it like you know obviously play in it would give roadhog a little bit more playability um but yeah i, I understand how that could be infuriating if especially if you're trying to make a play and the hog is just like nope you can't have your uh, can't have your immortality field here what do you think about the changes to Brigitte? Because I, since she's been introduced, she's been a real complaint of the Overwatch community. Um, I think this repair pack thing is okay. Um, now it forces Brig players to play more reactionary rather than, um, you know, proactively, where they want to just force things to happen. Um, they have to play repair packs like it's, like it's a heal, not a uh, not a buff. Um, which a lot of teams were using in that way. Um, it also would probably, we're probably not going to see a lot of, you know, with, without the armor buff, I feel like dive characters are going to have a lot harder of a time surviving, um, which means, you know, even though we saw a bit of Genji 
this weekend, a lot of tracers as well. I don't think we're going to see that if this repair pack thing goes through, because at that point, you might as well pick a character who can, you know, play from a distance and, like, deal the damage in that way without having to risk their lives by being in there um, and relying on the extra armor boof, uh, armor buff, not boof, I don't even know. Um, the uh, barrier shields for for Brig, I feel like it's okay. Like, adding 50 more HP to the shield is not going to do anything, really. Um, I'm still going to focus it down. And it, you're going to... With the regen rate being even slower now, you're not going to be able to have it as often. And, like, even... And then the cooldown thing as well. You're not going to be able to have shield bash uh, when you need it. So, um, you're forcing Brig players to play in the mindset of like Reinhardt, where you save it regardless of like how much HP you don't let it break. Period. Um, you have to play it low and slow when it comes to your shield. You can't just be hyper aggressive anymore. Um, the only time that you'll probably see barrier shield is to uh, shield bash or to cancel somebody out of out of an ability. That's like the only time that you'll see barrier shield um, if it's ever played. Like, I, I don't understand why, if, you, if you're increasing the health of the shield to make her more upfront sturdy, why is it only 50? Because that's, like, that's not even a full clip. That's less than a clip of, of ammo. You just shoot it, like, once or twice more. It's it's dead. Exactly. It, it doesn't have that staying power that you would want it to. And I guess that forces Brig players to play a little bit more, like, passive and just more reactive, but... At the same time, like you really don't have that option, um, especially when there's a lot of damage just flying out um, in general in Overwatch. Yeah, I did see um, an article that was promoting a uh, a fan's way to update her armor pack to make it more viable, but also not overpowered. Um, so you know how when you throw armor, it go it does the armor on top of whatever their max health is. Mm-hmm. So what this person is suggesting, let's see, what, what is this person's name? The person is Mahads75 or Mahads or whatever, M-A-H-A-D-S 75. But so this idea was that it doesn't go over um, what that character's max health is. So Tracer wouldn't be able to go to the 200 HP. She'd stay at her 150, but whatever health that you're replacing, it it's replaced as armor. And however long that armor duration was it stays there and as soon as that's up it converts to um health so you do have the benefit of armor it's just it, it it's limited it's not over what you, normal health you'd have you have the damage reduction but they're not super healthy you know so it's more like you have to take damage before brig can give you the yeah. armor pack for it to be yeah. effective um it replaces yeah, did, whatever health that you've that. lost, and if, and it swaps over to health whenever that, um, the timer on the armor is done. It'll it'll yeah. convert. I feel like that's that's okay. Um, it depends on, like, obviously, like, is it a rate of armor increase? Like, is it like the heal factor that they have currently, um, or is it just like instantaneous? Because I remember back in the day or like when briggs uh repair pack would heal a tracer all the way up to full hp uh the second it touched her or the second that like it touched anybody um 
that's like a free like 150 hp it used to be like it used to be that um the second that it touched you so i would be chasing down an ana she'd be at like 20 hp i'd swing i'd throw a fire strike but the the pack touches her like literally a second before and then she doesn't die and then she gets away and then i get slept and then i die so it's just (laughs) like things like that where I would I would hate for it to be an instantaneous thing, but at the same time, it's like damage, and then you know the armor builds up maybe like you know fifty armor per second or not even like it can be quicker than that, but like as long as it's not instantaneous, like the second that it touches you, you know, Acer is down to twenty five HP now. It's, now has one hundred and fifty armor, like, uh, and then it just sits on her like that. I feel like that would be a little ridiculous. Yeah. So, so in your mind, this would be okay. It just would have to have a some sort of rate of yeah. Of it armoring. would have to be a rate of armor, not a straight, uh, full HP kind of deal. Um, but I do agree that having it not eclipse the uh, the full thing, you know, like it won't. How can I describe it? Um, yeah, it doesn't exceed the maximum health pool of the of the character. Makes it a lot easier and a lot more um a lot more manageable for the other team. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time I don't want it to be like another, you know, get out of jail free card where she's right. just able to throw it on somebody and they they just get away for free. Do you think they'll ever get Brig to a point where the community is happy with it or is it just going to be like there's always going to be something with her armor that's going to need to be tweaked or her um, shield bash or her, her, um, her not her flail knockback or her healing rate. It's kind of weird, honestly. Like I like, I think Brig is in a weird spot where it depends on the meta too, because Brig, when she first came out, killed goats. She completely murdered goats and it became a death ball situation. And then we got, um, uh, yeah, we got goats. She killed Dive. My bad. She killed Dive. She made goats. Um, and those are like two of the styles of play that like a lot of people aren't fans of. They're not fans of goats because it's just like the same thing happening over and over again. Um, but Dive was fun in my opinion, but Brig completely shut that down the second that they introduced the shield bash. Um, so there's a weird thing with Brig where you don't want her to be to death volley where she becomes like you know the same thing that she was back in goats but you don't want her to be so strong that she shuts down dive every time um you want her to have kind of you know this kind of middle ground where she can actually play and it's it's weird in a way but at the same time i feel like if overwatch if the overwatch team wants to they can tweak brig to a point where she's in a healthy state where we can actually like use her in certain moments it's kind of it's like the niche pick like when you really need you know the shield bash or you Mm -hmm. need somebody x y or z that's the time to play brig but other other than that like i i don't know if she'll ever be in a spot where she will be either loved the community like she's like oh yeah she's in a good spot or completely just out of it it's the same thing with like doomfist like if doomfist is too strong 
he slaps everybody in the face. Um, yeah. Like, and then if he's too weak, nobody's going to play him. It's one of those things where, you know, Doomfist is either strong and destroying everybody or sitting there and gathering dust. And I feel like Brig is the same thing. Um, I just don't know what, you know, Blizzard wants to do with these characters. Okay, do you want to do you want to do the Hot Wheels story next that you found? Yeah, uh, it's it's just a really short thing that I that yeah I so came across yeah go um, go over this this fun story. Yeah, I didn't so, think I thought I saw this. I didn't think it was real. I thought it was like a fan made thing, but it, it, apparently it's been uh it's got the closed caption is uh or not the the, the copyright on it, but Ooh, you know right. uh Overwatch and Hot Wheels are doing a uh, collaboration. There's just a couple of them that we've seen so far. Um, there's Roadhog, Reinhardt, Diva, Tracer, and Soldier 76. Um, you know, they're cool little, you know, Hot Wheels. Um, they, I feel like they did miss out on an opportunity to give Roadhog a uh, motorcycle or like even like a three-wheeled, you know, motorcycle kind of deal. Um, yeah. Instead, they just gave him a big truck. Um, yeah, they gave him like a huge semi. Yeah, it, which on one hand I kind of agree with, like it fits his personality, but I do like the the Roadhog motorcycle with the sidecar. Yeah, like that could have been a Hot Wheel, and I, yeah. I probably would have gotten that. But yeah, it's just a fun little thing that uh, Overwatch is just branching out a little bit. If you guys gather Hot Wheels or just want to add it to your collection, go ahead and look for them. So we've got the '76 pickup truck. Uh, Tracer has an orange car, just like a sports car. Diva has a blue sports car. Um, Reinhardt has a kind of a, a, like a Jeep-ish truck. Yeah, it's like one of those. It's like one of those big trucks that you have. They have the cover over the the pickup on the bed. So it looks like that. Kind of monster truckish, but not like monster truck level. And then, like we said, Roadhog has the semi. Um, I agree with most of these things. I would have liked to see Tracer's motorcycle as well, but that's that's another missed opportunity for a motorcycle. But I feel like Reinhardt, Diva, and Seventy Six actually really fit their characters pretty well. Did you ever play or collect with Hot Wheels as a kid? Oh uh, yeah, it, we used to have the bright orange tracks you know or you set it up for one day and then you'd play with it for like maybe like two or three hours and then just be like all right now i have to put this away uh and then yeah i i had quite a few hot wheels back in the day but like that was that was a weird phase for me i'm i grew up playing with you know thomas the tank engine trains and that was like my life of like trains on tracks and then my dad gave me a couple of Hot Wheels. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool, but trains. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a train guy 100%. But honestly, like, there were good moments with Hot Wheels. If you guys like, you know, Hot Wheels stuff, then for sure you guys can pick these up. I mean, we live on the West Coast. It's a great place for trains and train history. Exactly. I used to, ha- I used to have, like, um, what was it? It was one of those make your own car sets from hot wheels like you had this this wax kind of thing and you'd melt it down to fill a mold and then you'd put stickers on it to customize it and i remember doing that as a kid um like it was like the the stuff got super hot so i had to have my dad do it for me but it was fun just sticking the stickers on and i have a couple of 
uh, Batmobiles that are Hot Wheels that are still in the the packaging. Like I haven't opened them. I have two of them, but just like I don't want to open one of them. I don't know why. Like I can keep one in the package just for funsies and open the other one, but I just haven't done it yet. Okay, so moving on to other news. Um, this one's a bit of a heavier topic, so um, content warning. Like it's it's gonna get pretty heavy, but this is a thing that we unfortunately keep having to go back to. Um, I don't have specific tweets because I didn't save them for this, but um, in the past week there have been some more outings within the gaming community and I guess just within the online community in general. Um, if you follow Shane Dawson, who I didn't really know who he was, but he kind of also got called out for some of this too. Um, but there have been a lot of people outed as sexual predators and pedophiles and whatnot within that community. And it's a thing that across gaming, across Overwatch, a um, bunch of other games, it, it just keeps coming out. And the question is why? And then in response to all that, Zoe made a tweet that she said, um, let me bring it up. Do I still have it? Let me bring this up because I want to quote her exactly. So Zoe said, I'm going to say this as nicely as possible. Stop asking if I got a story to share slash would like to comment on anyone else's. That's highly inappropriate. We may be in the spotlight during broadcasts, but our lives are not an effing reality show. We can tune in for entertainment. Um, so that's her stance on it. And then, so with that, the question becomes is, are people in the right to be curious about her and ask her if she has a story? Um, so what is the extent that we can kind of be curious and see if anyone has, has done that to people that we know or look at or look up to or are prominent in the community? Um, just, just where do does this come from and what is the best response that people can have? How do we fix this? Um, in the college scene, Kevin, is this an issue that you've seen? Um, I know that there have been not in the full like college scene, like for the most part, there's a, there's a few here and there, but like, it's not as full blown as like what's going on right now. Um, I do understand that like this happens. Um, and I honestly, endorse people to speak up about their you know their experiences and let everybody know you know if you if you're comfortable with it you know talk about the issues that you want to talk about um it's it's really important for everybody to hear your voice and uh yeah just make sure that you do it on your time you don't have to do it just because everybody else is doing it right now right um but yeah, just come out when you're comfortable, when you feel safe, and like everybody will appreciate you. Um, another thing is like, regardless of what people are saying, make sure that you like look at it for the facts. There's some people who will just like try to shift blame or um, just calling out somebody just because it's currently like what it is. But at the same time, like you just have to get both sides of the story. Just make sure you know mm -hmm. you hear everything. Don't just take it for you know cancel culture and whatever it is um i knew about shane dawson for a while um shane dawson was one of the first uh youtubers um that made it quite big on his uh on his channel but um he went into hiding for like a few years and then he finally came back like pretty recently i would say like two or three years ago um 
but it's really interesting to see you know everything catch up with him and all that um and yeah that that kind of snowballed into a whole bunch of other stuff too um i feel like this is just the way how i see the this issue in you know in the whole esports scene i feel like there's just a lot of really like bad characters in in the esports scene and i'm not just saying like oh yeah everybody everybody's bad you know one one bad apple spoils the barrel but i'm saying like there are some people who are just like out there for the fame and the glory only um and for the recognition um i don't want them to just like use that power i don't want them to abuse that power they there's a reason why they they're good at their job and they shouldn't abuse it for you know getting x y and z or getting in somebody's pants or you know doing doing x y and z like you should be trying to live the best life you can um and you know just don't just don't be an asshole just because like just because people know who you are doesn't give you the right to be an asshole or to you know be a sexual predator you just have to you know be the correct person just be a good person in general that's all i have to say Mm -hmm. um what do you think though is what would you attribute that root cause to it being if there is one to it being disproportionately in the news for the gaming community right now like i for me it part of it goes to a lot of the culture of the media that people in the gaming community also consume. Like I've, I've brought it up before, like in anime all the time, it's the, uh, keep dodging, keep going after a girl. Eventually she'll, you'll end up with her. You'll end up with your, your dream waifu stuff like that. That's just continually being pushed down a lot of people's throats. And a lot of people in, in the community of anime, of gaming, of, uh, of people who obsessively watch film and television, they're, a lot of people don't like that don't get a lot of social interaction sometimes and they'll use that as a refuge and then not having i guess the social awareness that some other people do have they'll internalize that and they'll think that it it's a real thing that happens in the world this isn't introvert shaming this is just people being unable to differentiate fiction versus reality and then inserting that fiction into how they perceive the world I think that's a, a large part of it. That's that trope in in anime, TV, movies, games, and film that all it takes is enough bugging somebody, and then they'll eventually share your feelings, and that you'll get you'll you'll be okay with it because you're the hero of your own story. Yeah, there there's a difference. Like I I believe, I think Pokey talked about it um, when addressing Fed. Um, but there was there's a difference between like actively pursuing someone and shooting your shot right like just because there's a it's gonna be a difference between like you know being able to approach somebody and say hey i think you're you know you're attractive i want to you know let's hang out more versus like constantly following them and like trying to sabotage everything that they're trying to do um and honestly, like, shoot your shot once. If she doesn't like you, back back the fuck up. I don't know how else to really, really to say it. Um, like, you could still hang out and stuff. Just don't, like, be creepy, you know? Um, 
but yeah it, it's just hard to i guess it's because like the gaming culture at the same time like people think you know all gamers are just like closed like how can i say introverted kind of nerdy people where they don't have social interaction um outside of our games um it's not true like a lot of us do go out and want to hang out with people and want to talk but um yeah i I do feel like there is there's a lot of it coming to light and especially right now and i feel like you know if we have these stories coming out there's got to be something that changes with the way how we think about people and the way that we're going to be open about this whole issue um once again esports is still seen as kind of a boys club and i don't think it should be um there's got to be a lot more that goes into it and you know, a lot of people are getting hurt because we're very close off about it and we just need to you know open it up and be willing to talk we still haven't seen kaguri play in forever yeah she's still in the cage somewhere uh they're feeding her like bananas and hoping that she's ready to play at a moment's notice another one of the questions that i have is like is going back to Zoe's comment is um, where does the, the line between spectacle and concern end with this? Cause like, I, I'm pretty, I'm, I can definitely guarantee that some of the people who are, who have maybe been asking Zoe about this are legitimately concerned. It's like, has anybody in the community that I support done this to you? I will unfollow them and not support them anymore because of this. And then there are people who are just like in the, for the spectacle. Like where where does that where does that line end? I guess is there is there a way to discern that? And I guess should we even be asking people about this in the first place, even out of a place of concern, or should we let them kind of come to us first? It's that weird line between between being proactive and trying to figure things out, and then invading someone's privacy. Yeah, it, it is a very tough line to tread, honestly. Um, I feel like if they're comfortable enough, they, they will come out and say something about it. Um, it does take a lot of strength in order to come out and talk about something, um, especially like that. Um, it is just difficult, uh, for the person itself. And, you know, they don't always have to make it public either. They don't have to go out and like, you know, shame somebody publicly in order to, you're a bad person in general they they can do it on their own time as well um but i feel like it comes down to the person themselves they have to be ready to you know take action and do something on their own um and sometimes it's harder than than what we expect always um we're gonna you know know about x y and z we just need to hope that they're like strong enough to really just tell everybody um like to watch out for a certain person like there's i feel like the biggest one like if we are talking about the gaming community is the whole offline tv um thing that's going on um that one as well as like you know uh dota 2 got hit toby one was uh was one of them and there's just like a whole ripple effect currently going on in the gaming community and um 
I feel like now is honestly a good time. A lot of people are willing to take a stance and talk about it. Um, but once again, I don't feel like people should be like pressuring Zoe or telling her to like, oh yeah, tell your story X, Y, and Z. Um, Zoe will do it on her own time. She's a strong woman. She knows exactly what she wants to talk about and when to talk about it. Um, so yeah, if Zoe has a story to tell, she will tell it. Um, but she'll find the right time to do so. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, her always, you know, under pressure. Like she's not formulating something. Like it, she just has to. She'll do it on her own time. It, there's no reason to pressure uh, something out of her or out of anyone. Well said. I agree with definitely all of that. Um, so aside from, I know you said that you brought up the fact that we bring up that esports is a boys club. Is there anything else that um, you think we could, as we as a gaming community, um, as an online community, can do to try to prevent this or, or mitigate it as best as possible? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like inclusion is going to be one of the bigger ones. Um, just being able to be open with teammates and hang out with people is really important. I know a lot of people who I know, um, like, I wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't have gotten through my breakup if it wasn't for my team, like mm -hmm. my, my online gaming team. Like, without them, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Like, I needed them for not only emotional support, but also getting me you know positions on like certain broadcasts like that they would be like oh yeah kevin there's a there's an event for overwatch like in in a week or two do you want me to rsvp for you like they're, they're telling me like hey you know what my friend is going to be running a tournament the, the next day like do you want to help out on that and x y and z and they're just letting me know like ahead of time and they just really they were my anchor for the most part um and that was, you know, guys and girls were just all hanging out and just being together for each other. And that's really the most important part about this whole gaming community. It is not about, you know, being, you know, number one. We're not always out here to be competitive. We're not always out here to, you know, be number one in the world. But if you are, you know, go, go on it. But, like, the most important thing is, like, we're making friends along the way. We're making... Mm -hmm. like lifelong relationships as we continue to grow as players uh, or, you know, community members or staff or X, Y, and Z. Um, but yeah, the best way to, to fix this in the community is to like really be willing to talk about it when the time is right and being there for your friends when they need you most. Um, that is honestly the best way of like remedying this whole situation. So in essence, we're paraphrasing Tommy Wiseau and saying, if a lot of people love each other, the world would be a better place to live. Uh, I mean, yeah, if, if you really, it, I, I think there's, there's got to be a better quote out there, <laughs> but you know, if, if Tommy Wiseau is the way to go, I mean, yeah. <laughs> According to one of my, one of my best friends, I have an issue quoting Tommy Wiseau at every possible instance it's it's tommy Wiseau and spongebob are the two things i quote the most i mean they have some really good quotes there's not a lot to really uh go up against there you're tearing me apart lisa 
yeah it, it's just a good you know good group of sound bits to really pick from um, oh hi mark yeah in in all in all seriousness though like this this issue can just really be fixed if everybody's a little bit more open and willing to talk about it like i know that a lot of people might feel uncomfortable um but you have to just give them time before they realize what they need to speak up on um and for those who are you know the offender um themselves like they just need to realize what's wrong with themselves as well there is there's two sides to this whole story there's you need to allow the other person to like take a step back realize what they've done you know change their ways maybe go to therapy um and then hopefully we won't have you know all of these things happen anymore like i feel like this i don't want to say it goes full circle into like the whole mental health of gamers thing but it it kind of does where like most of the time most gamers are spending time in their room not like you know going out they're mostly alone their thoughts um when no one else is around um and you know this could create a different sense of the world for themselves but um yeah i feel like as, as long as we're willing to help each other out we could really like you know grow as a community we don't have to always be a boys club and it inclusion is always better especially in this kind of scenario yeah so just like just in general just everyone in the gaming community whoever you are if they don't like you they don't like you if they like you they'll let you know if not just leave them alone please yeah, you only get you know, in the, you only get one shot, one opportunity. Shoot your shot. If it if it misses, there, the, you know, if they Dikemba Mutombo you, like you just get straight <laughs> swatted out of the sky. Like just take it and just be like, you know what? I'll shoot my shot somewhere else. Maybe, maybe I don't. I'm not allowed to play on this court no more. Okay, like just take your ball, go to a different court. You know, there's there's always something else out there. Like I'm saying this as a single 25 year old like there's something out there um we just have to wait for corona to end mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what tinder is for uh <laughs> that's a whole another that's a whole other monster that. but <laughs> better there. there than on on discord yeah all right so um now that that very uncomfortable conversation that we kind of had to have is over um, this is something that I've been sitting on for, for months. I think this happened back in March. Is I did that radio interview with, I think I think it was in Oklahoma or something. I called in. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been, like, waiting for... I've been sitting on this for a week where we didn't have a ton of news to, like, bring it back up again. And I'll I'll add the audio for that at the end of uh, this, uh, this episode if anyone wants to hear it. I haven't listened to it since I recorded it with them because... I know that I rambled and I know that I talked off topic so many times. Like after I finished my, my statement, I realized, Oh wait, I didn't even answer the question. Um, and also I think it was, it was only supposed to be six minutes, but that went way faster than I thought. I had this whole document, um, of talking points that I wanted to hit. I hit maybe three of them or so. Um, but essentially it was, this radio station was interested in what, esports is and how big it really is and what the impact of it was um 
I mainly talked about like how, for what I can remember, is how there's actual money behind it. Like you can get scholarships. Um, that it it is the next big thing that there are actual like sports figures behind this. Again, I haven't listened to this since I recorded it because I'm kind of scared to see how badly I did. Um, but yeah, that's essentially what that that was about. But um, I kind of want to know what your take on what the future of esports is, Kevin. Now that we've got the new game of of Valorant changing things up, and now mm-hmm. that coronavirus has really changed what entertainment and sports look like, and in spite of that, like why, why has esports been ignored so much when it's in the wake of all the sports even having to push their stuff farther back, considering the new wave of Corona hitting, um, what's up with people not wanting to watch esports? Like they like video games. Um, what's up? Yeah, I I don't understand it either. I feel like it's a difference in the way how it was um, presented. I, let me let me grab this definition real quick. Um, so, um, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition of sport, it is a contest or game of which people do certain physical activities according to a specific set of rules and compete against each other. Um, the one thing that is pushing kind of that boundary between people thinking that esports is a thing versus just sports is that word physical um they're saying oh well you have to be you know throwing a ball you have to be hunting you have to be fishing you have to be running right like something with your physical body um yeah we we are using our physical bodies we are using hand-eye coordination and our fingers uh the difference is the ball literally the only difference between basketball and like another esport is the way how we play it one is played you know on a court with a ball which you put in a hoop the other one is played with a mouse and keyboard and playing in a virtual space that is literally the only difference um like if you want to make it like one-to-one almost like you could talk about nba 2k like is that not basketball that is basketball it is just done differently um, it's still putting a ball in a hoop. It just happens that, you know, the players are using a controller or a mouse and keyboard instead of using their actual hands and a ball in a hole, you know? Uh, that is literally the difference. And I feel like it's the moment that we get the other generation to understand the competitive aspect of esports. That will be the moment when, like, a lot of people will hop on board. And when it it, it's hard to explain because like i come from you know film and television background i have like the storytelling elements like kind of rooted in me um but yeah there's no difference in a tournament arc like the nba playoffs compared to you know the overwatch league playoffs there there's no difference it is still you know there's going to be an underdog there could be an underdog there could be somebody who's you know had a hardship you could talk about like you know, literally all of these different aspects of the game. The only difference is one has the players playing and using their bodies as a physical tool in order to play the game versus gamers who are just using mouse and keyboard. Like, it's just literally, that's the only difference. Um, It might just be that games might be too fast for the other generation to understand. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I understand that as well. Like, us 
and our generation is used to seeing like you know a ton of colors happening like we could understand you know when there's a barrier up a graviton surge being thrown out a dragon followed by followed by transcendence on the other team beat drop followed by you know x y and z and like we understand what's going on but if we had a game that was slower in aspect like if you want to go really slow you could talk about like samurai showdown which is a fighting game where literally it takes like maybe uh like i'd say a maximum of like seven hits to like completely bring your opponent down and around but in that kind of game it's slower paced but it's more intense because any false move like ends it like in in the, in a moment um so it really depends on us finding a game that the older generation is willing to watch and understand um compared to traditional sports and i feel like that is just one of the more important things other than that you know um it then comes down to you know what people like to watch um some people prefer speed runs some people prefer um you know like actual like first person shooters like us like they prefer uh you know mobas or you know certain online battle arenas maybe pokemon competitive like just a, there's just a whole bunch of games out there um like i could see like the whole soccer community like the whole fifa community moving over to rocket league because that's like the closest thing that you're gonna get mm-hmm. like you just see you know the only difference is that instead of people using their feet to ball into a hoop or into a net you see cars flying in the air with jetpacks hitting a ball into a net right like that is yeah, that's the equally, gimmick that makes it unique. Yeah, it's unique, but it's also like there's a lot of teams that use soccer aspects in that game. Um, they'll be like, okay, well, if we get the jump pack here, we could ride up the wall. Um, you do you do a road you do a full spin that way, um, and we'll spin it out to you know the person on the other side. You jet you jetpack land flat, and you'll kick it into the goal. And they're <laughs> just like, okay, yeah, that's just a pass uh, like a cross court pass into a shoot uh, a shot on goal. Like, that's just things that you take normally. Um, it's just, you know, slightly different. So what for you would be a game that you think the older generation would be, would be like a good gateway for them into esports? Into, like, I guess, modern esports. So I feel like the, this is just a personal thing. I feel like the easiest ones to get into are going to be uh, MOBAs just because like it's a very familiar space to a lot of people compared to like like I know a lot of older generation people are like oh yeah no, we're not into the shooter games you know like a lot of people you know are not no 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 um, I can see um, you know like people getting ushered into like League of Legends first and then slowly like branching out and realizing oh wait maybe I might like you know, Rocket League. Maybe I might like Street Fighter. Like Street Fighter is probably one of the good, like better ones for older generation people because that's like the one that they kind of grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, watching, you know, like Mortal Kombat or fighting games and their aspect could be entertainment. Um, I know that like my dad personally, he watches a lot of like MMA and stuff like that. So getting him probably into a fighting scene would probably be more ideal for him. Um, meanwhile, my mom is like really just chill doesn't know about doesn't know a lot about you know overwatch or anything but she's willing to like learn and figure out like how it works um i know 
personally like i have a lot of friends who are in the rhythm game community and i feel like that's another really fun one um for people to get interested in you start seeing people like um like starting out with you either go guitar hero i've seen people do for me personally i like um like spin rhythm xd a whole bunch of just other you know rhythm games because people could listen to the music and enjoy it outside of that but also like be able to play a game and see people like ace it and perfect it um it just adds another layer to it Mm -hmm. it really depends on the person themselves like if you're more of like you know you want to watch fights that are really good you know get into the fighting game scene if you guys are into you know precision like you know accuracy and stuff like that you know get into a first person shooter game um there will always be a game that will come out that will fit somebody's like personal taste right um some people will play like i i know that there's a couple vr games that are trying to break into the uh break into the esports as well um i i can do that but you know card games are another one that a lot of people can get into get behind um it really depends on the person themselves but there is an esport out there for everyone it's just a matter of taking the time to find it and figure out like what really works for you yeah okay yeah there's there's all that's the thing about gaming is that there's such a huge variety all in you can always find a game that you like. It just, it might take some searching, but I mean, like I, I've said this before, there's a, there's an esports league for seniors who do uh Wii sports bowling. Like it's, it's out there. It's really obscure and it's really niche, but it's there. And if you, if there's a game you'd like that you don't have a league for start one. Um, another question for you, Kevin is what do you think post Rona the the esports world is going to look like i'm like with, with the the college scene has been on pause right mainly for mm-hmm. i guess until this recent um west coast war that you held for valorant yeah so i feel like this is the time for esports to really flourish this is just my personal take on it um with coronavirus you know locking down a lot of things not a lot of things being physical um, you know, we're literally having our podcast recorded over Zoom. I know a lot of schools are using Zoom in order to, you know, get people out there and teach their classes, right? Um, the difference um, when they come back, though, is sports teams are going to have to recruit again, going to have to start all the way from scratch. You know what isn't going to be starting from scratch when we come back? Your esports scene. They've been practicing this whole time. They're literally like sitting on the bench, just waiting to get get played. And uh, that's that's honestly my excitement for whatever post Rona is, um, whether it's next next year, early next year, or you know next summer. Um, I'm ready to see the esports explosion. And I know that a, that some schools are really ahead of their time and trying to push even further. Um, I was lucky enough to talk with the head of the Academy of Art um, about what they're planning on doing um, with a couple of people. They're trying, they're trying to get a partnership so that they could expand the gaming room uh, that we have already. Um, and yeah, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that like, I feel like if you are part of the esports and gaming community right now for your college or for your school and stuff, like, like push it. 
as far as you can because like right now they can't use the money that like you know most people would on like sports and equipment you can just say like you know what we just need like maybe like 15 pcs like in a small room you could put us in a closet and if we have 16 pcs you could run a tournament like uh that's literally it and what you need to do um but i feel like for esports in general right now is a good time to like break into the market like valorant's timing is really good um it's gonna bring a lot of people in and since it's a free-to-play game a lot of people are going to be taking a stab at it um and you know it's just going to be another another club like most people think like oh it's just going to be um like a bunch of friends hanging out again and that's fine but like you can make this into like a legit thing where you know your school or your team is truly competing um and that's honestly the way to go well i think that wraps up for everything that i was planning on talking about today um anything pop up in the on your end while we were recording this uh not really not in terms of like overwatch or massive esports news um yeah it's just uh it, it has been a very heavy weekend for you know esports in general um just make sure that you hear both sides of the story don't jump to conclusions uh have fun uh enjoy whatever games that you guys happen to be playing uh and yeah stay connected well thanks for listening in this week guys we'll come back at you next week with some more overwatch news if we can find it this has been a really weird week when we weren't really able to find much by way of new stuff but um we'll keep looking and uh hopefully you tune in and listen see you guys next week esports is taking on a little bit of a surge amongst the uh, amidst the covid 19 outbreak matt fernandez host of believe in overwatch league podcast matt how are you hope everything is well with you and your family both extended and uh your close family as well uh, we're doing as best as we possibly can here. Uh, California went under lockdown last night, so we're just trying to uh, survive this the best we can. Yeah, I think that's said for just about everybody. Um, how how much of an explosion have you seen since sports leagues have shut down and esports seems to be on an uptick? Um, well, there's a lot of, of traction in the esports world, in the video game world just in general. Um I went to my local GameStop a couple days ago, and they told me that they're completely sold out of Nintendo Switches because people are doing their best to stay occupied, and video games are one of the ways that people are doing that these days. Yeah, so what... I guess my, my question for eSports is, and, and what you guys do, um, if you can explain to it, because there's a large portion of our audience is to... You can figure it out, obviously, online sports, but um, gaming consoles, etc. But how many years did, did it take you to become an esports gamer? Um, for me, I'm actually fairly recent into the community. Um, I've played video games my entire life, but I didn't really start paying attention to esports until uh, 2018 when the Overwatch League took off. Um, I was a reporter for Variety at the time, and I just saw a lot of. Um, traction online about this new league and, and what it meant for um, video games and the scene in general. Um, and there's like there's even talk right now 
of esports being in the Olympics as soon as 2024. It, it's a it's not a new field by a lot of measures. It, it's always been around. Competitive gaming has been a thing since I guess the first two people said, "I bet I could do better than you at this sport." Um, I guess the first uh, recorded collegiate esports match was in Stanford in 1972 with StarCraft. So, um, and the thing about esports is that it's it's not just a thing for um, for nerds who like video games anymore. A lot of these uh, leagues and these companies are getting investments from people in more traditional sports. Like Mark Cuban is invested in uh, esports. There's a lot of basketball players who own either a team or have stake in these leagues. Um, there's a ton of money to be uh, to be gotten right now, and it's expanding into the collegiate market as well. It's, there's at least 200 colleges right now offering $16 million in scholarships to, to play esports for their school. And that's not including the, the colleges who have teams but don't offer um, scholarships for them. Wow. Olympics and, and college scholarships potentially over esports. I would have never thought about that. Certainly would have never known that had you not made me aware of it. That's, that's good stuff. So it, is there a specific area you – and I'm trying to learn here. So is there a specific area right. of the sporting games that you, that you kind of have to have an expertise in or or can you – how does that work? Um, well, really, it, it depends on the games that you like. Like right now, the biggest uh, – some of the biggest growth that we have seen is in Battle Royale games where you're essentially – all the players are put into an arena and uh, you got to have – you have to survive until the very end. Um, a lot of the, the games that have been around for, for years, like World of Warcraft, um, StarCraft, things like that, who, I mean, you might not necessarily know how these games are played, but I'm, I'm guessing a large member of the percentage of the population has heard of these games. Um, they're huge. They're, they have millions of dollars in uh, prize pools just for single events. Um, like, for example, Overwatch is the game that I know I've played from the very beginning, which is why I, this is the, the sport that I'm focused on. Um, Overwatch has a huge uh, like for mid-season that unfortunately was canceled due to the coronavirus. One term, only the prize pool was $1 million, and that's just for a smaller tournament in this league. Matt Fernandez, host of Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Has esports popularity surged since the coronavirus threat? It certainly has, but also colleges. We just learned colleges are handing out esports scholarships. Esports, Matt, you said could be the Olympics by when? Twenty twenty four is what the the latest word on that. Um, esports is looking to go into the the Asia Games, which is kind of a branch of the International Olympic Committee. Um, but the question is, what kind of games are going to be allowed? Um, the Olympic commissioners say they don't really want games that promote violence, so they don't really want a lot of games with shooting and stuff like that. But the thing about that is that kind of limits a lot of the popularity of what you're going to play because, for example, Overwatch, that's a massively popular game. It's generally a kid-friendly game, but it involves kind of cartoony guns. Um, and, and the question is also, there are a lot of in the Olympics that, that do involve guns, like skeet shooting or um, archery. So it's a question of when, what kind of games are you going to um, to include, and uh, how are you going to decide who gets to play? 
Matt, uh, fascinating stuff. Matt Fernandez, host of Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Thank you so much for the time. All right. Thank you. Stay safe. Wow. How things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.